everyone. Welcome back to the Movement Toward Change podcast. We are honored to be interviewing Sarah Parker today, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her. So Sarah is a New York City-based dancer and choreographer. She holds a BA in dance from Hofstra University and a master's in American journalism from New York University. Sarah is currently working as the associate choreographer of the Broadway revival of Camelot and has extensive career performing on Broadway and in national tours, contemporary dance companies, and both TV and film. Additionally, she's a freelance writer for Dance Magazine, Theater Mania, and Observer. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So could you start off by telling us a little bit about your career path and your journey thus far? Sure. Um, I've kind of had an interesting journey, um, kind of carved my own path. And I started off, so I went to college at Hofstra University for dance. And the program is very modern and ballet based. Um so my main focus was really getting into dance companies and kind of working in the concert dance world. And right after I graduated college, I moved to New York and I started dancing for a couple small freelance companies, uh, performed in a bunch of little showcases around New York, um, got to do some traveling with that as well. And I was very much confined to the contemporary dance world. Um, and then I was really interested and inspired by Hofas Schechter's work. So he's a um, a choreographer that's based in London. He's Israeli, but his company is based in London. And I went over to London a couple of times and did intensives with him and workshops and auditions for the company and whatnot. Um, so it was always kind of a goal of mine to work with him. And I never made it into the company, which is fine. But a couple of years later, I heard that he was coming to New York and he was going to be choreographing the Broadway revival of Fiddler on the Roof that was happening in 2015. And so I thought, OK, he's coming to New York, like maybe this is a shot to work with him. And I was not part of the musical theater community at all. Um, I did not have an agent. I was not a member of the union. I didn't really know how that whole world worked, but I had some friends in it. And my roommate at the time, my best friend, was very active in the theater community. So I got some information from him as to how to go about auditioning and um, found the information for the audition and went to it and uh, was luckily able to be seen after all of the union folks were seen. They still had some time to see some non-union dancers that had showed up. So I was able to be seen and um, made it through all the rounds of those auditions and eventually booked the workshop that they were doing and then from there booked the show so then I was kind of plopped into the Broadway scene um rather unexpectedly but in a wonderful way in a beautiful show working with this choreographer who I had always dreamed of working with um and so from then on I've kind of had this career that overlaps between concert dance contemporary dance and musical theater um, I did the full run of Fiddler on the Roof. And then um, I recently, I did the national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar, which we, we did before COVID. And then we had got shut down. And then we did a year after COVID as well. And that has contemporary choreograph choreography by um, an artist named Drew McGoney, who's also from London. I've worked with Camille Brown a lot. Um, I remember her, her company. I toured, did a couple tours with the company, did two seasons at the Joyce. 
Um, so I'm still kind of dipping a toe in each side in the concert dance world and in the musical theater world, which I love. And they are starting to blend a little bit more. Choreographers are kind of um, working in both areas. So I've been really fortunate in that regard to be able to do a little bit of everything. Also did some a lot of film and TV over the years um, with different choreographers who were doing dance scenes for TV shows and whatnot. And now I'm at a point where I am starting to move into being on the creative side and working as a choreographer of my own. Um, I'm the associate choreographer on Camelot, which is opening on Broadway in two months, and as well as a couple other shows that are in their pre-Broadway stage. Um, so yes, doing a little bit of everything. I also, as you mentioned, I went back to school during the pandemic and got a master's in journalism from NYU. Um, I knew that writing was something I was always interested in pursuing, but really didn't expect to do it until much later on in life. But the pandemic kind of provided a little window of opportunity. Um, so I was able to do that and have been freelance writing for Dance Magazine and some other arts publications when I can find the time. <laughs> so um, a little bit of everything. Also love teaching. Um, I teach for Joffrey and have taught at Broadway Dance Center and Gibney and um, try to squeeze that in when I can as well. Cool. I love that you're dipping your toes in these different kind of dance communities within New York. And I'm sure each um, community kind of inspires you with your work in the other. So that's yeah, really absolutely. lovely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned that you were always interested in writing. Is there something um, in particular that inspired you to become a freelance writer? Well, I've always loved writing just personally, journaling, writing long letters, like that kind of thing. Um, I just like the, I enjoy the craft of writing, like the editing process and the minutia that comes along with that, um, the rhythm of words and and all of that kind of stuff. Um I particularly am interested in writing about the industry and community that I'm a part of because that's what I know best. You know, I'm not really interested in covering politics or sports or something like that, but I feel like I know the dance and theater industry very well because I'm an active member of it. Um, and a lot of times with journalism, a lot of the people that write about an industry aren't necessarily a part of that industry or don't actually have personal experience in that industry. So a lot of people writing about dance and theater have never actually worked as dancers or performers or creators. And that's okay, I'm not, that's nothing against them, but I do think that being an insider, I can provide a little bit of a different perspective of like the conversations that are really happening on the ground level. So I always wanted to use that as a, as a, um, as a motivation to write professionally, you know, to kind of open open up the window and give a little peek into the insider conversations that are going on amongst our community in ways that someone on the outside might not be able to do, you know? Yeah, I love that idea that you can speak from your own experience as opposed to, I mean, interviewing other people is amazing, but also having that own experience, it's something that you can't learn other than by doing. And are there any right. particular mentors in the field that have kind of influenced your writing uh, or the style in which you approach your work? 
I was really fortunate. Um, so I, the program that I went to was at NYU and the, the entire master's program was an online program and it was actually online before COVID, which was great because they had, it was already established, you know, it was very smooth operating. Um, and it just kind of worked out perfectly. And so we had students from all over the world in our classes, which I also really loved. Um, but with NYU, they do, they have a mentorship program for all of the people enrolled in the degree. And when we first started, it was like my first or second week of the program. Um, my one professor, Liza Hogan, who was the head of the mentorship program, she reached out to me and she said, you know, we're trying to find a mentor for you and we could easily pair you with someone that we know, but since what you're interested in writing about is so specific, like we're looking to see if there are any names that you want to throw out there, you know, someone that you might potentially want to work with and have kind of as your mentor and we could reach out to them on your behalf. Um, just because I was probably personally more aware of like dance and theater journalists than they were, you know? And so I threw out the name Jennifer Stahl and she was at the time, she was the editor in chief of dance magazine she had also been a dancer. She also went to NYU. So there was a lot of connections. Um, I had never met her personally, but I, I obviously knew of her and knew of her work. So I threw out her name, you know, kind of felt like a long shot, but, um, they, NY, so NYU reached out to her on my behalf and she accepted right away and was very excited to, to join the program. So she became my mentor within the first couple of weeks of starting my degree and really helped me through like the entire program. Um, she, you know, she would edit, look over some of my papers and, and edit, help me edit things for classes. But in addition to that, she just provided a lot of advice because I had never worked as a professional journalist. So, you know, like starting in any new field, there's just so many things about the logistics and the operations of how an industry functions that I had no idea. And so she really gave me a lot of guidance as far as that kind of stuff. Um, and so she kind of was there right there by my side the whole throughout the whole thing and read one of my papers that I was writing for my features class in my second semester and I just had her look over it, you know, as another set of eyes. And, and she was like, I really actually like this. I think this might be something that our readers at Dance Magazine would be interested in. You know, did you have any thoughts of publishing it, uh, et cetera? And so I was like, I would love to publish it in Dance Magazine. You know, I was so excited that she offered that. And um, so then we continued working on that piece together. And it ultimately became the first professionally published piece that I had. Um so that was kind of my introduction to my partnership with Dance Magazine. Um, and then I've reached out to other publications on my own. But the mentorship program at NYU was a huge benefit, um, especially for me, because I was able to work with someone that was so specific to the kind of work I was able I was interested in doing. Wow, that's so cool. And definitely just such a nice aspect to have that mentorship program to kind of have someone to run things by and guide you. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it just feels like a little safety net, you know, someone you can turn to that's not a professor, that's not grading you, someone that's working, doing the kind of job that you are interested in doing. Um, it was a great asset to the whole program. Awesome. And are there any particular aspects of the dance world that continue to inspire your writing? Yeah, I mean, I think that 
there are always conversations happening about how things could be better and how things we want things to change. And, you know, um, and those are a lot of the conversations that happen in the rehearsal room or on the lunch break or out for a drink after rehearsal with the company, you know, um, but we, it's a, it's always about the same kind of topics. So whether that's pay or um, credit, you know, accurate credit for the work that we're doing as a creator or a collaborator or a choreographer, um, whether it's being overworked, it's physical stress, it's mental stress, it's mental health, it's all of these, you know, the conversations that you have amongst friends and amongst colleagues. And um, not that I want to just share all of that with the world, but I do think there is some value to bringing a couple of those conversations into the broader public discussion. So um, people can really understand what it's like. I think, especially with dance, um, it tends to sometimes be viewed as this like high art form that people don't really feel connected to in any way. Um, it feels like kind of distant, I think, to the general public. And, you know, I would love to change that idea and just be like, we're normal people and we're just working as hard as we can every day. And we're usually not getting paid enough for the work that we're doing. And we're usually not getting credit enough for the work that we're doing, but we love it and we're passionate about it. And it's all we want to do. And, you know, all these things, like I just, I'm, I'm constantly motivated to give a little bit more of a in-depth look into what it is that we do and who it is that we are as people. Um, and, you know, by way of bringing some of these conversations to light, maybe in some little way, it could inspire some change or could inspire just a, a bigger conversation around some of these things that we're maybe generally afraid to speak up about. Um, you know, it could just baby steps, but I think every little bit helps and just bringing up the conversation of mental health or credit or, um, you know, all these kind of things and bringing it into the the broader conversation is beneficial in a way that still keeps everyone feeling, you know, safe and um, private and whatnot. Nice. And um, you had mentioned that uh, while you were at NYU, the dance media director had, you know, asked you to be in their publication, but for other publications, you had mentioned that you're typically, you had reached out to them. Do you usually send them, you know, a topic idea or like a full article that could be ready to publish? Um, how does that kind of work? So, yeah, you basically pitch. It's called pitching, right? So you're going to, um, and it's, pitching is a whole art form to itself. <laughs> um, but you're going to find the, the contact information of an editor at the publication that you are hoping to write for. And then you need to craft a pitch of the piece that you would love to give them. Um, it needs to be, you know, it needs to be not too short, but not too long, <laughs> kind of like the perfect little balance in the middle. But basically, you need to have a, a well thought out idea and story of what it is that you would like to write. Um, yeah. So they always say pitch a story, not a topic. Right. So it's not too helpful to a publication for me to reach out and say, I would really like to talk about dancers. 
And they're like, um, okay, so what about dancers? You know, <laughs> um, it, it's much easier to say, this is the story that I would like to write. These are the people that I would interview for this story. This is the purpose I, of writing this story. This is how I am connected to this story, why I am the right person to write this story. This is why your publication is the right place to have this story, you know, kind of answer all those questions for them so they can really understand like exactly what this is going to be. Um, certainly don't have to have it written, you know, but even maybe a little, a couple sentences to give them a little bit of your writing style too would be helpful. Um, but really thinking, you want to think through all of those questions and all of those pieces before you bring the idea to a publication. You want to have them have to do as little work as possible, right? They should just be able to read your pitch and like have a very comprehensive understanding of what it is that you're trying to accomplish with this story. Um, and, you know, it's tricky. So I have written many, many, many pitches that have never gotten a response at all. You know, and you're like, I don't even know if this person works there anymore, but this is the email address I have. So sometimes it does feel like a long shot. Um, sometimes someone that you don't expect to get back to you gets back to you. Sometimes they respond and say, thank you so much. I think this is a great pitch, but it's not quite the right fit for our publication. Please try bringing it somewhere else or whatever it is. I mean, there's a mixture of things. It's just like auditioning for a dance job. Like you're probably gonna, you're gonna get a lot more no's than you are gonna get yeses. Um, so it's, it's kind of the same thing. You're auditioning your story idea basically. And I, because I have worked with dance magazine a bit and I was close with the editor, there were um, a couple times that she came to me with an idea for a story and just thought that I might be the right person to write it because of my particular work experience. Um, so that does happen sometimes, but usually it's me pitching my own ideas. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. And it seems like you can see why they'd want more of a fully cooked idea instead of just signing off on a topic, like you said. Um, right. Yeah. Cause that doesn't really give them enough information to see if it's going to be the right fit for them or not. Right. Um, so how do you find balance in your life as you kind of navigate the dance world, choreographing and writing? Yeah, I mean, it is a lot. I think right now um, I have chosen to just be a freelance writer. I haven't really put any energy into trying to get like a full-time staff writing position at a magazine or a publication. Um because I simply, I don't have the time. And really my full-time job is working as a dancer and choreographer. And then writing is like another little thing that I do on the side. That's how it is for now. Um, so, you know, being a freelancer, when I feel like I have time to write and when I have ideas that I want to share, then I pitch out stories and see what hits and, and hopefully I land something and I can work on it. Um, you know, for the next couple months, I'm I'm very busy working on choreography projects and a couple different shows at once. And so I definitely would not have the brain space to write anything. So I just don't pitch anything out. You know, that's kind of the the beauty of being a freelancer is you kind can kind of pick it up and put it down when you need to. Um, so right now that's where I'm at. 
you know, down the line, it might shift and I might be interested in having a little bit, having writing be more full time and taking a little bit of a step back of performing or whatever it is. But um, you definitely can't do everything full time all the time. That is for sure. (laughs) So, um, yeah, sometimes things have to take a little bit of a backseat. You know, it was the perfect time to go to school during the pandemic because performing and choreographing was not happening. So, I was able to go to school and be a full-time student. Um, but then once that world started picking back up, you know, I, I shifted writing to be a little bit more part-time and, and maybe in the summer, if I'm not working on a show, I'll pitch out some stories and hopefully do more writing and then it'll, you know, recede to the back. So it's this constant, this constant sense of ebb and flow between all of the things, but um, it is nice because, they all bring their own energy too, right? Like writing. I think one of the reasons I was drawn to writing is that it's so different than dancing or performing. It's a solitary endeavor, right? It's quiet. I can go sit in a coffee shop for hours by myself and just write. And it's very like low key and um, calming almost in that sense, which is the total opposite energy of like performing in a show where you're just like giving all your energy out and you're surrounded by a ton of people and you're physically exerting yourself and all these things. So it is nice, I think, to have the two different dynamics um, really help me kind of balance myself out. It seems like you found a really good um, kind of schedule and balance of something is always going to be taking more time than the other thing, but there's kind of different seasons of the year for different uh, hobbies and jobs. Right. And I think as working in our industry, like like that's just kind of how it's always going to be Um, unless you're, you know, working in a show full time, that's going to run for a couple of years or whatever it is. You're always going to be starting jobs, ending jobs, moving to something new, having two months in between jobs, looking to make a little cash over here, looking to teach a couple classes. You know, it's that's kind of the life that we all live. Um, And so it's just, yeah, it's getting comfortable with the fact that from week to week and month to month, like your day to day and work schedule is going to be different. And I actually, I like that, you know, it, it provides a little bit of an excitement to mix it up. Um, And if it ever feels like there's too much going on or too overwhelming at, at some point, you know, you just have to take a step back and maybe let one thing fall down for a little bit and, and whatnot. But I think that's just part of also the nature of our career and industry, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, What advice might you have for a fellow dancer that's um, interested in freelance writing? And do you feel that, you know, certain degrees in school really help uh, to further advance them in this field? I think that, you know, there's always many um, pathways you can take to doing some, pursuing something. Um, it's just like dance. Like you certainly don't need to go to college for dance to become a professional dancer. You certainly don't need to go to school for writing to become a professional writing, a professional writer, excuse me. But for me, I, I was confident in my writing skills, but like I said, it was a completely new industry to me. I had never worked in that industry. So I didn't know anything about how it operated. And so going back to school for it definitely, I mean, sharpened my writing skills, you know, a hundred fold 
of course, but I also learned so much about the industry and about like working in that field. There's more, you could be a great writer, but just like have no idea what to do with that. You know, who to, who to email, who to call, who to, how to do this, how to do that. So going back to school gave me all of those tools so that when I did start pitching and I did start working in the industry, I felt like I knew what I was doing a little bit more than if I had just tried to do it without going back to school. Um, I, but that's not for everyone, but that was my personal experience. I loved, absolutely loved my program at NYU. Um, I think there are a lot of great journalism degrees and journalism schools. You know, you have to find what works for you. It was great for me to do an online program. Um, besides the fact that it was the pandemic, it was great to be online because, um, then I also went back on tour and I was doing some traveling and, and I could do it from wherever I was. And, um, I do also think that writing kind of lends itself to an online course. I think I don't feel like I missed out on anything because you're pretty much writing on your computer and sending it to your professor and getting edits. And it's all kind of like that anyways. And we had, you know, three hour lecture courses every night on zoom. Um, but I, it seemed to work really well for me because we're, everything we're doing is writing and on the computer anyways. Um, I actually thought it worked really nicely, but yeah, it's about finding the right program for you. If you want to go to in-person classes, there are certainly benefits to that. Um, you know, price is obviously a huge thing as well. Like NYU is an expensive school. Like, let's be honest, we all know that. Um, but I felt really driven to go there because of the faculty that they had. Um, all of the professors of that program are working in the industry. Like they are working for the New York times and CNN and, you know, like all of the top publications, like the professors are actively working there. And that was really important to me. Um, rather than having professors that, you know, maybe haven't worked professionally in 20 years, they've just been a professor for a while. So I, you know, my decision was to pay more money to have that kind of experience, but that's not the right decision for everyone. So I think different schools have different pros and cons for sure. But I do think that there is a lot of benefit to going back to school in some regard, even if it's not a full-time degree program and it's just some kind of like online courses or something. If you're entering an entirely new industry, there is definitely benefit to getting some, you know. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, some really great advice in there and kind of, um, yeah, figuring out what you want to do and how to go do it. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's a little, um, I want to, I don't want to say trial and error, but it's a little bit like if you're really passionate about doing something like look up the options and see what's available to you and go for it because there's also always ways to overlap all of your interests you know i i love dance and i love theater i also love writing so i can write about dance and theater <laughs> you know it's like there are so many ways to like blend all of your interests together and so I think rather than shy away from having like um, too many things that excite you, like see how you can kind of mix them all together, you know? For sure. Definitely. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. This has been wonderful. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.